Hey everybody, Pastor Matt here. Thank you so much for checking into our podcast at Gospel Fellowship PCA. Hey, what if I told you that there is a solid, biblical, doctrinally faithful, reformed church on a beautiful campus just a stone's throw north of Pittsburgh? Would you be interested? Well, let me tell you a little bit about it. We don't have lasers. We don't have a fog machine. We don't have an American Idol stage, but we do have the sweetest, kindest people in the whole world. We sing psalms and hymns, and we preach the Bible chapter by chapter. We love Jesus, and we're on a mission to share the good news of the gospel with the world. So would you be interested in coming to a church like that? If so, come check us out, Gospel Fellowship PCA in Valencia, Pennsylvania. And feel free to visit our website, gospelfellowshippca.org, and subscribe to our YouTube channel, Gospel Fellowship Presbyterian Church. And now for today's message. Heaven and earth will pass away, but God's word is eternal and it never will pass away. So let's read it together. From the fig tree learn this lesson. As soon as its branch becomes tender and puts out its leaves, you know that summer is near. So also, when you see these things taking place, you know that he is near at the very gates. Truly, I say to you, this generation will not pass away until all these things take place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. But concerning that day or that hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. Be on guard, keep awake, for you do not know when the time will come. It is like a man going on a journey when he leaves home and puts his servants in charge, each with his work, and commands the doorkeeper to stay awake. Therefore stay awake, for you do not know when the master of the house will come, in the evening, or at midnight, or when the rooster crows, or in the morning, lest he come suddenly and find you asleep. And what I say to you, I say to all, stay awake. You may be seated. So for the past several weeks, uh, we have been preaching through uh, the Olivet Discourse. Jesus was asked by his disciples uh, to tell, him, tell them about when the this, this temple would be destroyed. In the parallel passage in Matthew chapter 24, they follow that question up with a couple others that Jesus answers also here in Mark. Uh, what is the sign of the end of the age? What is, what is going to be happening? When is this going to happen? Uh, and as Pastor Matt and Pastor David have made clear for us, There's kind of a two-part focus here, as if you're wearing a pair of binoculars that are focused on two different things in this passage. First, there's the nearer events, the destruction of uh, the temple and the sack of Jerusalem in AD 70, and then there's the further away event of Christ's return, of the end of this world and the judgment. And this today, with our passage, our focus uh, touches on both of them, uh, but it's not so much focused on the differences between them, but on a similarity between them and on Jesus' command of how we're supposed to respond to that, and that is that we as Christians are to stay awake. Now, falling asleep at the wrong time always has consequences. Sometimes the consequences are pretty minor. Uh, Some of you may know small children with the magical power of when you're driving home at night, exactly 10 minutes from home, they fall asleep, like dead asleep. And it's not a huge deal. You just have to either carry them in and force them through bedtime routine 
Or you have to deal with a child who wakes up at 10 o'clock at night and thinks it's a new day and they're ready to go. But there are still consequences. Students, if you're watching or listening to a recorded lecture and you fall asleep while you're listening to it, it's not a huge deal. It's not like falling asleep in class where you might get picked on or something, but you've got to go back, see where you were, see what you last understood, and then pick it up again. But sometimes falling asleep at the wrong time can be much, much more serious. Uh, for example, falling asleep during a sermon. I heard a couple of you guys joking about that after you saw the sermon title. Thanks. Um, but it can be actually serious. God has words for you that he has planned ahead for you that may be exactly what you need to make it through a struggle in your week. And if you fall asleep and don't listen to what he is telling you, then your life may be less great because of it. Uh, or think even more immediate and physical consequences. You can imagine a skier lost in the mountains at night. He basically has two options. He could fall asleep, and that would be so easy in the cold, or he can stay awake and preserve his life. So sometimes the consequences aren't too bad for falling asleep at the wrong time, but sometimes they are very severe. And Jesus' point here is that the consequences for falling asleep uh, spiritually are very severe, so he commands his people, stay awake. We're going to look at three big questions in this passage. First of all, what on earth does he mean by staying awake? Second of all, when or how long are we supposed to be staying awake for? And then lastly, we're going to look at why should we stay awake? What is the reason for it? Why does he tell us to do that? So first of all, we're going to look at what does staying awake mean. Now, this is not a physical staying awake. Jesus is not commanding his people to all be insomniacs who never sleep. That's super unhealthy. He is speaking spiritually here. And for all, um, this is not just a command to uh, not sleep. Uh, if you look at the Greek, it's actually a command to stay awake, to keep alert. It's what a guard does uh, when he is watching and when he is protecting something. So it's a command not just to keeping your eyes open, but to being alert as to what's going on and being active. Now, he commands us all uh, in this passage to stay awake. He says, what I say to you, I say to all, stay awake. And he compares it to the guardsman who the master leaves at home and tells to keep watch. Stay awake, keep watch. So we are all to be like that guardsman, staying awake and keeping an eye on what is going, being alert as to the spiritual condition of our own souls. Are we truly having faith in Christ? Are we staying true to him? And are we uh, being ready to obey him, whatever needs to happen? But then he also tells each to have their own jobs as well. Uh, looking at... Excuse me. Uh, looking at verse 34, he says, It is like a man going on a journey when he leaves home and puts his servants in charge, each with his work. Okay, each of the servants have their own work as well. So we're all to be alert as to what's going on in our own hearts and what's going on around us, but we each are also given our own work. Romans chapter 12 and Ephesians chapter 2 and 4 tell us about how God has given us all gifts in Christ. Christ came and he died for us, yes, but when he ascended, he also sent his Holy Spirit, gifting each of his people specially for the work that he has for them. 
And he has entrusted to each of us a gift that we have spiritually, whether it be teaching or encouraging, hospitality, uh, just showing love for each other. Uh, But he's also entrusted us with people. There are people in each of your lives who no other Christian may ever talk to. There is also the church that you have been put in. Now, we pick on some people a little bit because they think that they're God's gift to the other sex and they think that they're great and just what everyone would want or need. But in a very real way, each and every single one of you is Christ's gift to his church. He has bought you at a great price. He has gifted you to do work, to be encouragement, to help build the church together and strengthen it, to bring others into it. And he has set you there for a reason. He's given you the power through the Holy Spirit to do what you need to do to love other people. And so we each need to be, as part of staying awake, seeking the good of God's church, seeking to show our love for him by the way that we love each other. So we must not ever rest on our laurels, think, you know, I did a good job on this thing or that thing, I I loved my neighbor that one time, and so now I am all set. I don't need to do anything else. Uh, I am a good Christian. Instead, we constantly are to be pressing forward, pressing closer to God, and seeking to show our love for him by the use of our gifts for the good of other people. And that is staying awake. And so the importance of staying awake is much more like the skier who is trapped in the mountains. There is consequences for him and for those who might be following him if he does not maintain his duties and do uh, what he needs to to stay awake. Similarly, there are problems for us in our own lives and then for our entire church if we draw back, if we stop showing love to God's people. Now then, there's the question of when are we supposed to be staying awake or how long are we supposed to be staying awake? Uh, Jesus here uh, is making it pretty clear that there are two different time frames. Um, First of all, there's the near time frame, and then there's the further time frame. And he shows this, and I mean, apologize for my English, by using uh, demonstrative pronouns. Okay, demonstrative pronouns tell us something about what we're talking about. So if I was talking about uh, pews, I might talk about these pews up front and those pews back there. And even if I wasn't gesturing, you would know that these pews are close and those pews are further away, right? That's the point of demonstrative pronouns. Now, Jesus talks about the fig tree here. He says, learn from the fig tree its lesson, and he talks about when it becomes clear that it's summer, it's clearly summer. And then he continues and he says uh, in verse... uh, I apologize again. Uh, He says, you know that things are near. He says, truly I say to you, this generation will not pass away until, in verse 30, all these things take place. So this current generation is close. These things that he's talking about are the close things, the things leading to the destruction and the actual destruction of the temple. But then he says down in verse 32, but concerning that day, pointing further away concerning that day or that hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. So he clearly differentiates between the two. And he tells the disciples that they will be able to see the, these things coming clearly and know it's time for the destruction of, 
uh, Jerusalem, as was mentioned in previous sermons, the how they're supposed to respond and what they're supposed to be doing about that. But also there will be some signs of that day, but ultimately he does not tell us when it is. He is intentionally ambiguous about it um, and even tells us that we can't know it. And when he says that uh, the angels in heaven don't know it and the Son doesn't know it, but only the Father, he is not saying that the second person of the Trinity does not know when it's going to be. Um, Jesus, we profess in our confession and in the creeds, has two natures and one person. Okay? He has always been the second person of the Trinity, God, and he keeps all of those attributes. At the incarnation, when he was born in Bethlehem, he took on a human nature. That means a full body and a human soul. So he was also completely human, but he remains one person. And those two natures both continue to act properly for their natures. So even while Jesus was dying on the cross, he was supporting the world through his power and maintaining creation. Uh, but we can also talk about the person as is appropriate for one of the natures or the other. Okay, the second person of the Trinity can't die. But we can say, Jesus died for your sins because in his humanity, he definitely and absolutely did die. Now, Jesus' knowledge as a human is not the same as the knowledge of the Son of God. He remains omniscient and knows absolutely everything, the same as the rest of the, the, rest of the Godhead does. There is no division within God. But Jesus as a human has absolutely perfect knowledge as a human. So anything that a human could know, Jesus in his humanity does know. And what he is telling us here in that the Son does not know when this is going to be is that there is no revelation telling us exactly when his second coming will be. There isn't a trick to reading the Old Testament and if you use the right code and take the right verses and combine them, you get a date. That's not there. He's saying even the Son with perfect knowledge, perfect love for the Father, unhindered by any sin, can't know when it is. It's absolutely certain, he says, even, if he even when heavens and the earth pass away, his words won't, but we can't know exactly when it is. And he reinforces that unknowability in his uh, parable about the man going on a journey. He says that they don't know when the master will be returning. Uh, verse 34, he says, Stay awake, for you do not know when the master of the house will come, in the evening or at midnight or when the rooster crows or in the morning. So there's no idea when he will actually be making his return. And this is for our good. Uh, kids, you might be uh, left at home sometimes with jobs to do. If you knew exactly when your parents were going to get home, when would you start to do the work? Like, so you have just enough time, right? Do the fun stuff and then get down to the work. God doesn't tell us the time so that we will constantly be about the work and be ready to receive him. And so we have this as an encouragement to us, an encouragement to us to press on and work. Um, and while sometimes we can force ourselves through difficult times, we can force ourselves, for example, to stay up at night and complete that project we need to get into work in the morning or into our class. Uh, our command here isn't to just press to a certain point and then we can stop. It is to keep pressing on for as long as he gives us on this earth. Uh, those of you who are older, maybe retired or grandparents, you may be thinking, you know, I've done, I've done my duty, I've run my course, I've raised my kids, they're out, 
Uh, I'm set, I can relax now. But his call isn't to go so far and then be done, but to continue pressing on until he comes back for us, to continue seeking ways to use our gifts, to pour our lives into not just our children, but our children's children or our church. There are plenty of children and families around the church that could use the love of our older Christians. So don't pull back when you think that you've completed and don't think that you can wait until the 11th hour to do something because we don't know when he's coming back and so we press on in loving one another for as long as he gives us. Then lastly, why should we stay awake? Does he give us reasons here why we should be staying awake? Now, when you're first asked that question, you might be tempted to give the Sunday school answer, because God said so. Why do we do anything? Because God said so. And that is a fantastic first answer. When God tells us something to do, we're supposed to do it. All right? Even when God strongly implies something, we're supposed to do it, right? Uh, you can think back to the Old Testament, Nadab and Abihu, the sons of Aaron. They were anointed with him to be high priests, and the first day of their service, they went and they offered strange fire. Now, God had provided them fire to do their work with, but they instead made their own and added that to God's work. And the clear implication from God is, this is all me, you add nothing. Um, he didn't command them directly, don't make strange fire, but they should have understood it by God giving them fire. And that command is so serious that they lost their lives. So even when God clearly implies something, we're expected to understand and obey much more when God tells us something. If God tells us something once, absolutely must do it. And you've probably heard in sermons before, if God tells us to do something twice or he says something twice, it's absolutely certain we must do it. It is sure. In this passage, over the course of just a few verses, Jesus commands us to stay awake three times. Look at verse 34. He, at the end, it says he commands the doorkeeper to stay awake. Verse 35, therefore, stay awake. And then verse 37, what I say to you, I say to all, stay awake. So he is completely emphatic that this is something that is absolutely and certainly necessary. And so we must be doing this pressing on because he has given us very great and clear commands. The second reason, though, um, may be a lot more uh, close to our hearts. Um, it is good to obey because we're told to, but God is very kind. He often gives us reasons to obey. He tells the Israelites to go into the promised land. And he doesn't just say, because I told you to. He says, because it'll be flowing with milk and honey, and I will dwell with you there. All right. Similarly, we have lots of reasons for pressing on until that day. Uh, and that re the big reason for that is our certain hope in Christ's words, that he has promises for us, that he comes back to vindicate us, to bring us into communion with the Father, to reward us each for what we have done for him. But also, this day of the Lord, that day, uh, as we read in Joel, isn't just about good things happening for God's people. It's also a serious and dangerous time for those who have not come and submitted to the Lord, for those who continue in rebellion against him. Now, at the cross, we saw God's justice and mercy put together like never before. He, we saw them both on full display as he punished the innocent and showed grace 
to the guilty. And that's where our salvation comes from, from that act of judgment and mercy. In the inverse, that is what comes on Jerusalem in 70 AD and what's coming at the end of the age ultimately. God is going to show his goodness to the innocent, to his people, but there is also judgment coming on the unrighteous. So right now, in this time between Jesus' ascension and the final return, when he calls us home to be with him in glory, he is holding back his wrath. Uh, Pastor David talked about that in the earlier passage, how he is being merciful and holding back his wrath until all of his people have come in. Uh, 2 Peter chapter 3 talks about that also, how the world was destroyed with water before and it's awaiting judgment in fire. But in this time right now, God is showing mercy. And so if we have any hearts at all, if we care to be about his business, if we love the people that he has put in our lives, our duty is to stay awake, to be working for his kingdom, to be helping others to take advantage of that mercy that he is showing. He is holding his back his wrath not just to give us more time to enjoy each other's company or to worship together here on the earth, but so that we will be going out and bringing people in, compelling them by any means to come, see, taste and see that the Lord is good. Come and repent and know the Lord so that it can be a great day coming for you as well. And so we need to be using our gifts for building up the church, but also for reaching out to those around us that he has given to us. The night is coming, Jesus warns us, that no one can work. But for now, we can work. So stay awake. Put your hands to the plow and let's be about our Father's business. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your great mercy to us that you called us who weren't your people to come and be your people, that you gifted us specifically to worship you, to build up your church, to fellowship with them, and also to show your goodness by our love and by our actions to those around us. We ask that by your Holy Spirit, you would enable us to stay awake, to stay ready to work and to show your goodness and your mercy to everyone we can. We ask that you would be merciful and bring those around us in as they see our love for you. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Now please rise to receive God's benediction. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord cause his face to shine upon you and give you his peace. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Hi everybody. My name is Rob and I am a deacon at Gospel Fellowship PCA. I'm also the sound engineer, the camera guy, and the podcast manager. Thank you so much for listening to today's message. Please come visit us in person. Gospel Fellowship is a Bible-believing church just north of Pittsburgh, and you can find us at gospelfellowshippca.org. See you next time.